0: Hello and welcome to the Tech Disputes Network Need to Know Basis podcast series which offers a convenient way of getting on top of the most important new developments and cases involving issues of the technology angle via short podcasts of approximately 15 minutes in length presented by the leading experts in the field. These podcasts offer succinct summaries of the key points to note on the topics we all need to know about in a way that takes up as little of your time as possible. This podcast series is brought to you by the Tech Disputes Network, which is a London-based forum for those engaged with contentious technology issues. My name is Mike Bruce, and I am one of the founders of the TDN, which I encourage you to join by registering at disputes.tech to receive information about our upcoming events and initiatives, which are all free of charge. This podcast concerns the issue of patent infringement on the grounds of public interest, considered in light of two recent High Court decisions, IPCOM and Vodafone, and Evalve and Edwards. In addition to being of importance to IP practitioners, the issue of patent infringement on the grounds of public interest may have, for example, potential to be of interest to policymakers and others in light of the COVID-19 pandemic, which might provide a motive for patent infringement in relation to novel, expensive, and scarce pharmaceutical products. This podcast is presented by Michael Silverleaf QC of 11 South Square Michael is one of the country's leading IP silks and has appeared in a large number of the most important patent cases over the course of the last three decades in addition to acting as Treasury Counsel on patent related matters for many years. We are pleased and privileged to have him with us.
1: The patent system exists to promote innovation for the benefit of society at large. The principle which justifies its existence is a bargain between the patentee and the state. In return for disclosing to the public an invention, which is new and not obvious over the existing state of the art, the patentee is given a time limited monopoly during which only he may exploit his invention. The monopoly allows the patentee to gain a benefit from the invention by being able to make and sell products, incorporating it at higher prices. The disclosure of the invention to the public ensures that once the monopoly is over, the public has the means to work the invention for itself. Economists and jurists have debated for many years whether the patent system, either in principle or in practice, does the job it is supposed to do. And as someone who has worked within the system for my entire professional life, I confess to having become rather cynical about it. Whilst the idea is straightforward, the system is complex, uncertain and heavily biased in favour of the wealthy and determined. However, given that the system exists for the public benefit, it is legitimate to ask whether there is a defence to a claim of patent infringement that the infringer is acting in the public interest. In two cases this year, the High Court has been asked pretty much precisely that question. Curiously, it appears to have come to a different answer on each occasion. The reason for that is nothing to do with the merits of the arguments and everything to do with the complexity of the patent system. In one case, the acts in question fell within the statutory regime, which permits the exploitation of a patent for the services of the Crown. In the other, the requirements for the grant of a compulsory license were not met, and the judge concluded that it was for the legislature and not the courts to extend the scope of the statutory exemptions from infringement. The Patents Act contains a detailed set of provisions which determine when and in what circumstances patented inventions may be worked without the consent of the patentee. The permitted Acts fall broadly into four classes. These are 1. Statutory exceptions set out in in Section 60, Subsection 5 of the Act, 2. Where a compulsory license has been ordered under Section 48, 3 where the use is for the services of the Crown, section 55, and four, where the alleged infringer has been doing or making serious preparations to do the act alleged to infringe before the priority date of the patent, section 64. Taking these in turn, section 60, subsection five of the act comprises a group of specific exceptions to infringement. They have no common theme, but consist of things such as acts done privately and for non-commercial purposes. Experimental acts relating to the subject matter of the patent, use on ships and aircraft, which are temporarily in the UK, use by farmers of genetically engineered plant or animal stock where they originally purchased material from the patented source, and quotes, the extemporaneous preparation of a medicine, close quotes, and the use of that medicine by a doctor or dentist. All these acts may be carried out without recourse by the patentee and without payment to the patentee. Section 64 of the Act gives to a person who has done something or carried out the necessary preparatory acts before the priority date of a patent the right to continue to do those acts without infringing, and if the acts were done in the course of a business, to pass that right on to anyone acquiring the business from him. As an aside, this provision was new in 1977. Before that, a patent was invalidated by such acts, which were known as secret prior user so that the right was not needed. Section 48 permits a compulsory license under a patent. Once three years have have expired after its grant in certain circumstances, the conditions for the grant of a compulsory license are very, very complicated. By and large, they boil down to the invention not being properly exercised within the European Union. And as a result, demand for the patented invention not being met in the UK on reasonable terms. The caveats required to set the scheme out in full are so extensive that I simply do not have the time to go through them in this forum. Suffice it to say that compulsory licences are rarely sought and even more rarely granted. Indeed, much of the argument in one of the cases I am about to discuss turned on whether what was being sought by the infringer was in reality a compulsory licence without the applicant having to comply with the requirements of the complex statutory scheme for its grant. Finally, we have use for the services of the Crown. This is a particularly complicated area, not least least because, in common with many aspects of intellectual property, state exploitation of patented inventions is affected by the provisions of the TRIPS Agreement made at the Marrakesh WTO meeting in 1994. It is for that reason that we now find the particular circumstances in which compulsory licenses may be granted, depend whether the proprietor of the patent is in is in issue is from a WTO member state or not. In relation to Crown use, the TRIPS agreement lays down a specific set of conditions which must be satisfied before a patented invention may be exploited by the state without the consent of the patent owner. The provisions concerning both Crown use and compulsory licensing have been the subject of recent judicial consideration in two cases which have come before the Patents Court this year. The first is IPCOM and Vodafone 2020 EWHC-132 Pat, in which judgment was given on the 28th of January. This concerned the use of a particular form of control signal in the mobile telephone network, which was covered by a patent. The control signal was only used to enable priority emergency services access to the mobile telephone network in the event of a major incident under a protocol called the Mobile Telecommunications Privileged Access Scheme (MTPAS), produced by the Cabinet Office Civil Contingencies Secretariat. It is invoked by the Police Gold Commander in charge of the incident by telephone, whose instruction is then confirmed in writing. MTPAS was therefore incorporated by Vodafone into its network at the behest of the UK Government. For obvious reasons, the system and its operation are tested regularly to ensure that it works when required in live conditions. Vodafone claimed that MTPAS was therefore incorporated into and used by it in accordance with a written authorization by the government, which was covered by the Crown User Provisions in the Patents Act. A number of questions arose in relation to the scope of those provisions. The court was required to interpret a complicated set of rules requiring both authorization and an attempt to obtain agreement from the patentee where practicable, in circumstances in which it would be difficult to determine whether a particular patent needed to be infringed or not least because of that difficulty to obtain a license. Perhaps swayed by the conclusion that a strict interpretation would make the provisions unworkable in the circumstances of the case before it, the court decided that the authorization did not have to be expressed or given in relation to a particular patent. It also held that infringement did not have to be necessary. It was sufficient that the contractor was required to provide services, the provision of which could be carried out by using a patented process. The court also held that operation of the scheme for regular testing by Vodafone fell within the Crown use provision, even though it was not expressly authorized by the Crown. It was simply Vodafone ensuring that its system would work when called into action. It is worth noting that one of the considerations which drove the court to this approach Was an argument advanced by Vodafone that a stricter interpretation of the requirement for authorization would mean, for example, that if a requirement could be serviced in one of two ways, each of which infringed a patent owned by a different patentee, then in neither case would a Crown user defense succeed, because in each case the patentee would be able to say that the other method could have been adopted without infringement of his patent. If you think about the logic of the argument, you may well conclude, as I have done, that it is unsound. I will leave you to consider it at leisure. You should also be aware that save in rather limited circumstances crown user is subject to payment of a reasonable royalty for the use which has been made of the patented invention, so it is only a partial defence. What is not available to a patentee where the use of his inventions for the services of the crown is an injunction. The second case in which a public interest defence was raised was E. and Edwards 2020 EWHC 513 Pat in which judgment was given on the 12th of March this year. The facts of the case were as follows. Both the patentee and the defendant made mechanical clips for holding together the leaflets of the mitral valve in the heart. The clips are used to treat mitral regurgitation, which occurs when the valve does not seal properly when the heart beats, so that blood leaks back from the ventricle into the atrium instead of being pumped around the body. The condition can be treated to some extent with medication, but more effective treatment is achieved by valve replacement or repair of the natural valve by stitching the leaflets of the valve together at the center so that they close more effectively. A procedure developed by an Italian surgeon called Alfieri and named after him. In a significant proportion of patients, open heart surgery is too risky and great efforts have been made to provide less invasive treatments using the same methodology as is used to open up blocked coronary arteries by passing a catheter through the vascular system into the heart. In an angioplasty to unblock arteries, this is done with an expandable balloon usually provided with a stent to keep the artery open. The same technique can be used to insert a replacement heart, heart valve or as in this case, to take a clip into the heart and clip it onto the leaflets of the natural valve to improve the natural valve's function. Edwards Pascal clip had been held to infringe two of e patents for this technique. Edwards then argued that no injunction should be granted to restrain the use of their device on the ground of public interest because surgeons preferred, on clinical grounds, to use the Pascal clip for certain patients rather than Evalve's Mitroclip made under the patent. The stage was set for an argument as to whether the court had jurisdiction to refuse an injunction on the ground of public interest in the face of the statutory right to one and the absence of a claim that the statutory requirements for the grant of a compulsory license were met. The court considered a wide range of authorities, both from the patent field, specifically on the cases on compulsory licenses and Crown use, including the IP Common Vodafone case I have already mentioned, and in relation to the court's discretion under Section 50 of the Senior Courts Act 1981 to award damages in place of an injunction, where an injunction would normally be granted. In the latter field, it looked at the authorities from Shelfer and the London Electric Lighting Company, 1895, 1 Chancery 287, through to the recent Supreme Court decision in Coventry and Lawrence, 2014 UK SC 13 on this topic. In the end, the court reached this conclusion uh, in Evald and Edwards at paragraph 87. Quotes, the relevant public interest, sufficient to justify a refusal, at least in part of a patent injunction, is the need to protect the lives of patients for whom the defendant's product is the only suitable treatment when that fact is established by objective evidence. This is taken from paragraph 69 of Edwards and Boston. In that passage Mr Justice Arnold used the word health rather than lives. I agree that the same principle will apply to protect against serious risks to health, which is what the replacement heart valves in that case were for. I am doubtful that it applies more widely." On the facts that test was not satisfied, there was no clear evidence that any patients who could not be treated with the claimant's MitraClip could be effectively treated with the defendant's Pascal Clip. Whilst there was con- clinician preference, it was merely that. Consequently, an injunction was granted. This was a similar outcome to that in the case of Edwards and Boston itself, 2018 EWHC 1256 Pat where the court parties had agreed that there should be a carve out from the injunction for patients who could be treated only with the defendant's device, but where a further carve out on the basis of physician preference was refused by the court. It follows that the discretion to refuse or restrict an injunction where patent infringement is established is very limited. It applies only in circumstances where lives would otherwise be lost or perhaps where the health of patients would be substantially impaired. What is likely to be the outcome of these two cases? First, I should caution that both decisions are under appeal. It may be that the Court of Appeal will reach different conclusions. With that caveat, it seems to me that the decisions reinforce the law as it was thought to be before they were made. Eve and Edwards confirms that unless lives are at stake, anyone not meeting the requirements and applying for a compulsory license can expect to be injuncted. As for Crown User, It is, as I have said, available only in limited circumstances and is usually subject to the payment of a reasonable royalty. Vodafone was held by the court to be within those circumstances and therefore entitled to the benefit of the provisions. Given the absence of a prior approach to obtain the patentee's agreement to the user, which is a basic requirement of the TRIPS agreement, the Court of Appeal may think that conclusion unduly generous. However, there is a considerably wider entitlement of the state to use patented inventions without permission when the government has declared a state of emergency under Section 59 of the Patents Act. It may be that we will see that provision being invoked, for example, in relation to the manufacture of vaccines or treatments for COVID-19. We are in unprecedented times and those times may require further unprecedented government inter- intervention. Finally, I should point out there is one further way in which it may be permissible to exploit a patented invention without the express consent of the patent owner. That arises when the patent owner either endorses his patent licenses of right or when the patent covers a technology which has been subjected to industry-wide standardization. Licenses of right are provided for by the Patents Act under Section 46. The effect of standardization is generally the subject of industry agreements leading to patents which are declared as essential to the industry standards known as standard essential patents or SEPs being made the subject of licences on fair, reasonable, and non-discriminatory, known as FRAND terms. How those terms should be applied is currently the subject of a pending decision of the Supreme Court in Unwired Planet and Huawei. No doubt that will be the subject of a further podcast when the decision arrives.